do 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 first start in the morning all right we're going we're rolling with the homies with the book homies the book homies i didn't like that start Mm, too bad i i i want to restart now welcome to the books in bed podcast with myself jacob and my co-collaborator partner phenom artist erica treadway no last names here Ooh. <laughs> also we're leaving all that in before <laughs> just so you know i'm editing so what i say goes. editor's choice uh-huh. fair enough but your intro was very lovely thank you uh this prior uh oh i i guess uh i was gonna say what book i was gonna be discussing today uh-huh. and then i realized that i finished two books since our last books in bed wow in one week you finished and i'm not books? i'm not bragging but boy do i read a lot Boy, are my arms tired. Boy, are my eyes tired. Ooh. Yeah. Hashtag Rick Glassman. Fumble that, damn it. <laughs> Put his hashtag up here. Uh, so I finished How to Hide Am- um, How to Hide an Empire. And uh, additionally, Start Here, Start Now by Liz Kleinrock. And I don't really know what to discuss first. Because I already discussed How to Hide Empire last week, so I feel like I should kind of leave it up to the listeners to do their own investigation into how the old the old news, the old book. Well, I guess maybe just leave off with, like, was there any... Because I was like, what I don't like about these books is that they don't give us any, like... Light at the end of the tunnel. Not light at the end of the tunnel, but like ideas of how to improve these systems, um, which I know there's other books for that, but. Honestly, it's so out of my mind. I, I'm I'm drawing a very serious blank. To how it ends? <laughs> yes. Like, where does it end? <laughs> oh, we can, we can have, we did have a discussion about like what an empire is. Yes. Oh, that's kind of how it ends. Yeah, that is how it ended. Literally, it says that uh, usually there's a connotation negatively with empire. Which is what I was kind of saying. But due to the fact that America has, like every other country combined, has some 30, 40 like army bases worldwide, America has over 800 bases throughout the world various countries territories so wait did you say all the other countries together have 30 yes i thought you were saying collectively every each country has 30 collectively whoa yeah and because of the territories that we possess oh how it ends is it discusses how i mean throughout the book it's it's talking about why we've acquired territories, why we've decided not to annex territories during World War II was a pivotal moment where we were improving logistics. That became like a thing. 
how do we transport things? How do we decide if we send, you know, trucks built or in pieces? And then we have a, a plant where they're constructed on site. And how do we make that easy and cost effective anyway? All of that goes into, we don't really need to own, we, as an empire, we can now switch to point, pointillism, which is instead of owning and annexing entire territories, we're just occupying pinpoints, areas on the map. So America has shifted from conquering territories to, con to, to taking possession of small areas like to have army, army bases. bases. Yeah. So anyway, by definition, America is still is an empire. So what is that? I guess the things that we take in, from from history to move forward and to what were you? What was the question? Is there like some kind of action takeaway? Yeah, to like stop. I don't think so. Other than being aware mm -hmm. of like what happened and why it happened. Mm -hmm. If 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 we're in denial about those things, if we neglect to educate ourselves about those things or buy into a single narrative, then we will subscribe to the history of the dominant power, which will continue to do what it's done. So yeah, the real, the takeaway, the action moving forward to is to be aware. And it's just like when you read things like that, it's so hard to not be discouraged about like where this is where we're at and this is going on and it's being kind of dis disguised and um wh who are we but little peasants that can read about it but like what can we do to change it or is it so far ingrained in our system that it cannot be changed? Which I don't think that is true, but it is kind of true. Yeah, it's definitely an uphill battle. I think understanding our position and our privilege as Americans, um, how the world often caters, caters to us, you know, the United States. learning English. And like every other, every other nation encourages multilingualism and America is very, speak English so that I can understand you and I'll just talk louder or whatever. I mean, yes and no. I mean, we are required Literally think, okay, think about our last president. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Who, who literally just degraded people. For right. being immigrants. Right. I do. That is where here. you're a champion if you're an immigrant. You're literally seeking a better life for yourself. And going to and the fullest limits to it, do that. And like over every single category works harder and is a value add to America. And yet they get shit on. Well, yeah. not by everyone. But yeah. Politically, it's used as a tool. And we're all immigrants, and everyone was just born 
Bucky who was born in America. Like, it's just like, it, it, I don't know how people don't feel that. Again, that's the, that's the privilege and the, the ignorance of, of just not being educated or being insulated in a place where you're not exposed to things and you're indoctrinated to believe, oh, these are the reasons that I'm poor. And yeah, people that are different, that's a bad thing. And just like not being taught like the real truth of things. That's kind of what your other book is yes. about, right? Yes, I mean, that actually transitions perfectly into Start Here, Start Now, which is a guide to anti-bias and anti-racist work in your school community. And what's interesting is I'm not an educator in the traditional sense, (laughs) but I believe genuinely we're all educators. We have friends, family, and our community that we interact with. And so I, I saw this book, I, I found it on Instagram, uh, she w- she posted like so many things that just resonated with me and so i was intrigued and i want and i wanted to check her book out and it was everything that i hoped it would be it's it provided guidance and and tools and perspective into how to engage in anti-racism and anti-bias work with children it predominantly focuses on children but literally those are the same but tools we're all children, we're all children. <laughs> and when we're not educated on things we are children yeah and when we just believe the single narrative that we grew up with mm-hmm. then you've literally not you have not leveled up since you were a child you're still at level one you th- you believe one perspective which is if you look like this, if you talk like this, and if you think like this, then you are, you're, you're the in-group. And then if you don't behave in this manner, then there's something wrong with you. And maybe that's an oversimplification, but that's literally the basis of why people discriminate and believe racist things and, and believe they're superior whether they consciously or unconsciously believe those things, there's a lot of ways in which she goes into how the education system reinforces a lot of this, a lot of bias and racism in the way that just our societal assumptions of why people are rich, why people are poor, Mm. um, statistics that are perpetuated about certain communities pertaining to either uh, violence or uh, employment, class. And is she, like, guiding the reader through ways of how to incorporate this into curriculum? Exactly. Yeah. So So it's like, as a teacher, you have very specific marks you have to meet. There's certain... Um, criteria that you need to be educating and how can we not only navigate those requirements 
while in while being inclusive because everyone's coming from a different place and so how how do we be inclusive and fa- take into consideration where everyone is coming from without shaming or isolating or you, you know because a lot of the time and this is an experience that is echoed throughout the book but also in our society which is anytime there's discussions about uh history slavery there's the eyes go to the person of color and they and they're like looking at them to like be like can you do you want to speak on this and it's like how do you think that makes someone feel and so that that's your narrative even though it's not your narrative and also focus like focusing on when it comes to white people throughout history which is how, what the history that's taught in schools it's the achievements and when it comes to people of color it's how that they how they were in suffrage mm-hmm. and slavery and uh positions of oppression and it's like in science class, are you learning about anyone other than white scientists? But her approach is is not to to shame or her approach is to incorporate and bring awareness to the the multifacetedness of achievements of people throughout history of color and to break up the single narrative that's taught in science and math and English and, you know, like learning about the fullness of these subjects and not just whitewashing. Exactly. What, um, is there like one tool or example that you found like the most promising or enlightening to you that she talks about? At the beginning of the book, she talks about like creating an identity map. Mm-hmm. So it's like how, Look how, how, what are like, what are the identities that you, how do you see yourself? And that's funny because I just did a writing thing about the titles that you hold, which is basically the same thing as. Yeah, identities. it's like it's it's basically saying like, who, who are, are you? you? <laughs> And, like, where are you coming from? And I think that personal touch is is a huge thing for an educator, uh, but also for how you interact with your friends, your family, people in the world, like, knowing where they're coming from and how they identify with themselves. Yeah, it's interesting. Instead of just operating on, you know, the things that you assume. I was just like I was just like envisioning like assignments in school being you had to pick a person out of this list. So this is one way I can see that a teacher can still do the curriculum. Like you have to do a report on a, per- a historical person, but the teacher gets to pick who the people are that they pick. And it usually was always like white men, you know. 
like and then you would do a report on that person and then you'd have to dress up like that person did you ever do any of those kinds of things do you remember no well you went to an artsy middle school you probably skipped all of well actually no i would feel like that would a lot that would lend to like dressing up and that would have definitely been something that i would have like skipped (laughs) well um i just was thinking about how people of color who always looked at this list and was like oh i don't see anyone that looks like me how am i supposed to dress up like them or like oh does only successful men have to look this way like and those are things that i didn't consider yes and oh my god i'm so glad you said that another a huge takeaway from the book is like predominantly white areas that like literally do not have people of color in their class educators are like well why am i going to teach about this other perspective mm. why am i why would i bring in anti-bias anti-racist work there's no there's no people of color here mm. yeah and it's like how is that going to be received and i don't want to shame my stu- my students by telling them they're privileged and learning about the history of the horrible things white people did and her framework is like learning about other perspectives is such a value add for white people because we get we actually understand better and can navigate in a world that is very diverse and open up be willing to see things from a different perspective and actually have rich relationships with people and it's there's there's so much there's so much depth to it and i feel like i'm not it's just a convenience to like be like oh i don't want to talk about or think about these things that happened that were bad because like that was in the past but it wasn't that long ago um and Oh, the convenience of not teaching about other cultures that aren't in the classroom. It's like the, those are the people that need to know them the most. And usually other cultures are taught as a novelty. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't build, you know, she talks about building respect and love for other cultures. And which doesn't come through simulating like tragedies mm-hmm. uh but through learning about like why is this celebrated and what are other traditions and just seeing yourself and other people i mean that's really the thing is seeing the humanity in everyone in instead of dehumanizing people which is honestly a default for some people it's just so it's interesting i like the idea of starting young obviously teaching kids oh yeah there's never there's kids by the age of like what two years old or eight months or something they start distinguishing between i know that was a stretch <laughs> that's like a big gap right but honestly at a very young age kids are already distinguishing between like dolls that look like them right what looks like me what do i identify with 
Well, and it's interesting because we're taught that at that age, too, that there's differences. Yes. Where I feel like actually kids don't see that until they're taught. Well, maybe they see it. And, and literally skin color is is melanin, which has to do with your ancestry's uh, how close you were to the equator. Yeah. How much sunlight did your skin get? It has, it has, there's, there's literally no other genetic correlation to intelligence or other characteristics of personality. And, and anything that someone believes to know otherwise is literally a narrative created to, to support why there was slavery, why there was atrocities, you know? It's creating the environment and then justifying it after the fact. Finding examples of this and that. Oh, it's okay that we dehumanize these other races because they were here. They to... actually have a lower IQ and are prone to violence. Yeah. That's that's a lot of the narrative that is still echoed today. Savages. Which the Native w- Americans. Exactly, which was you know, produced by a scientist in 18-something, you know? So the Empire book that you read was like the adult version of telling the real history. And this is like the kid version. Well, it's not not for kids, but... It's, It's just like a guide to how do we incorporate the awareness of these things and also the multifacetedness of people you know it's like and celebrating giving giving kids the the choice of what pronoun they want and educators or schools principals being like oh we don't have any gay students it's like of course you don't because they're scared to (laughs) that they would be outed or that they'd be that there would be hate at them Mm -hmm. you know and it's like if you don't create an inclusive environment then you people are not going to open up to you. Yeah. And everyone loses. It's the the book is literally a guide to how everyone wins. Mm-hmm. I like that. Cuz right now we're losing. Yeah. People are scared to be themselves. And when there's fear of being yourself, I mean that's like that's just the worst. Makes people and, do a lot of... And, and white people don't want white kids to feel that way. So you can understand how terrible it is for kids of color at a very young age to have to grasp with being different. Right. Looking and, different. But then also when you said like white and that, people... And they don't, they don't look different. White you people know, don't want white kids to feel shame. that shame, which is why they don't teach things that are racist you know because that would bring shame onto themselves and and the irony is that it by not teaching it it just you're, keeps you're cultivating an environment in which it breeds yeah A because incubator. You're, you're denying that it's there and that what it is well hopefully it there are these people very, out there in the world that are 
changing curriculums and changing what is taught. But then there's also things like critical race theory isn't being taught in certain schools. It's illegal to teach it. And it's just like... (laughs) So, like, there's, like, one... There's the spectrum of, like, progressive thought, which shouldn't even be progressive. It's just, like, facts and, like, what how it is they and then the how certain kind of people wants the world to be the problem right now is people who are misinformed think they have all the facts well everyone thinks they have all and the facts they're operating through a singular lens and this book is hey there is a very broad lens people there's a there's a spectrum and let's recognize everyone on the spectrum and give everyone the tools they need how do we how do we implement equity and fairness because what's what's equal not that not that i even think (laughs) not that i think uh equality is even being implemented but what's fair is above that. What's fair is superior to what's equal. Because well, also not everyone needs the same tool. Well, and and that's hard. That's hard to do because you can't standardize it, which we were talking about last right. week about how like having this one particular goal or standardization has kind of like ruined free like being free to like free to express yourself or or be multifaceted person human you have to fall into these boxes which stereotypes lend great into standardization oh i can put this person in this box oh i know how to treat this person oh i know where they need to live and i know what they need to be like and are they going to go to jail or not? You know, like checking boxes makes it so much simpler than to actually like learn who that person is and find the right tools. And I know that that's hard and it's almost impossible in school to do that. Um, but it's not because she has a book <laughs> for the love of God. It doesn't matter if you're a teacher, if you're a parent babysitter babysitter you need to read this book start here start now that's literally what it is (laughs) that's what it's called it's what it's called and i'm telling you it's it's not radical it's how do we how do we just reach out and and like tap into our communities that we live into live in and just i don't know make it better and just love and respect everyone. I mean, it's not. These aren't crazy ideas. No. It's literally the world we deserve. So, like, let's do that. I'm here for it. Yeah. So, thank you, Liz, for the amazing book. Um, I look forward to your other works. And the resources in it are amazing. Um, so, I'm definitely going to be checking out some of the things that encouraged her work and supplement off of that all right so 
we're going into my book now. Let's do it. And um, guess what? Guess what I gone and done. What you? What did you gone and do? I read a fiction book. Oh my goodness! Why? Because Reese Witherspoon recommended it. <laughs> it is in the Reese's Book Club, Shock. which, which I thought you would like. I actually have a relationship, oh loosely, my God. loosely of sorts. Loose with Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah, loosely. I'd say so. I think you said hello to her. We talked. Okay, <laughs> there it was a back and forth. Did you make her giggle. I made her laugh. Did so, you? So I mean that. I feel like that has a lasting and profound impact. But this isn't about me and Reese. The only thing Although that you said about there. her was that she's really tiny. She is astonishingly short. <laughs> like tinier than me. Yeah, she's like five two. That's how tall I am. Then she's shorter than that. Hmm. I I was like, yeah, I think she could fit in my pocket. <laughs> but I was like, no, I can't take her home because that would be weird for everyone involved. So I read Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Yeah, I just ignored what you said. Probably for the best. Probably for the best. But then you're going to have to edit this and... I'll leave it in. Perfect. So yeah, that I read a fiction book which I haven't been reading, but to my surprise, I forgot like how fun it is to read fiction because like I read like memoirs which are usually dark, and then I read like self-helpy, be like bettering yourself kind of books which are a lot of work. Like, it's like you are doing work while reading. And I forgot that those kinds of things can be, like, exhausting and probably why I read a lot less last year because they're harder to get through just because, like I said, like, you're doing work. And um, I read this book in two days. I could not put it down. Literally the difference between, like, fast food and, like... <laughs> A gourmet, like, seven-course meal. Yeah. The digestibility. Uh-huh. Just... Yeah. Gobble you it. can't... And you're, like, infashionable... Infashionable... How do you say it? Insatiable? Insatiable? No, but I was saying... Fathom... Fa famish? Famish? I don't know what I'm thinking of. Um, in... What? In love. <laughs> No, what did you say? In Insatiable. Insatiable. Like, I couldn't put it down. I needed more and more. Kind of sad that it ended, yet excited that it ended. Whereas some of the other books that I read, I'm, like, full right away. And maybe what I have discovered is that maybe I need to, like, simultaneously read a hard book and then a fiction book. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, which is what I'm doing. I'm already on to two new books because I finished this in two days. So it's it's been a week since we podcasted. So I've had five more days since finishing that book. Yeah, so that's exciting to me. I feel like my goal was to read more. And like I was like, 
kind of bummed that I only read like six or seven books last year of total the whole year and I'm already almost done with three books and January is not even over so I'm almost done with three in one month which is half as many as you read all last year yeah well not that we're gonna play comparison but I think the average American reads three Facebook posts a year <laughs> so in terms of you know where you're at it you're in the top 10 percent of readers thanks babe <laughs> what that's an a that makes me feel better yeah you got an a last year even though you only read and feel bad for only reading six books i don't really feel bad but i definitely it's been like my lowest i year. agree and i feel the same way yeah and but now I'm I because feel you, like because you know how enriched you feel yeah when you're when you're reading a lot of material and it feels like your life experience is growing yes and I and when I know I'm not reading that means I'm like watching YouTube and doing something else that's taking away from getting lost in a book which again I haven't felt that feeling in a while and it was probably because I've been reading these and like. Honestly, I don't even think I read one memoir last year. They were all, maybe I did one, Sarah's. But the rest of them were all very much like giving me tools, which I needed and I want. And I love getting more tools and I love like expanding my knowledge in helping myself and helping those around me. It's so insane how you can read one thing not expecting for it to change how you look at the world and it does <laughs> yeah and then you can't un you can't you're you're never gonna lose that tool it's always gonna be on your belt and mm, sometimes you lose it and then you get reminded if you keep reading other things. well i feel like this is what happens right you start out with very few tools you discover oh i can wear a belt and then you have a tool belt. And then you're like, oh, I can use this tool or this tool. But you start out with just like a hammer and you're just hammering like everything. Uh -huh. And you're like, wait a second. Maybe a hammer isn't the right tool for every problem. And so you learn new problem solving tools. Get a screwdriver. But sometimes you fuck you get a file. some things up with that hammer. You definitely do. <laughs> and then you have to go back with a different tool uh -huh, that you learn later in life. <laughs> but then what happens is you get a lot of tools. Yeah. And then you forget that, oh, oh, I forgot I had that hammer. Yeah. There it is. It's in my tool belt right there. And then you go back and you do the work on that problem that had been unresolved. But that's the beauty is you recall that, oh, I, I have that. I still have that hammer. And I definitely have the thirst to for words to give me that. Like, I, we do listen to podcasts, too, which do it, but it doesn't, I can't retain the information as well because words, like, when you're reading them, you're doing two different things. You know, you're, like, visually seeing something, so, like, there's a kind of an imprint of the words on the page. And then your brain is also, like, reading them and solidifying them and thinking about connecting the dots with them and that that's my favorite thing to do is to find these connections um which i think reading two books at a time 
one more like about the world or whatever, a real book, a nonfiction book, and then one fiction and seeing like can they tie together, which kind of happened on this la- on these two books that I'll talk about next week probably. But um so that's fascinating to me, even though like reading a a fiction book kind of feels like, well, I'm not learning anything about the world, even though you are. So it's like, but it just doesn't feel like you are because they're not real people, but they're, a good writer is talking about topics that are real and things that could possibly have happened or are happening. Um, And how does that, what, how does this book serve this to that book, example? Um is about it's basically like a murder mystery Ooh. um and the way the writer lays it out is like and it's, it happened in the 60s um and you're going back and forth from a time before the murder and then a time after the murder so it's like flip-flopping back and forth they're making this into a movie which i can or a show not sure which probably movie but um I could totally like it it read kind of like a movie and I was just it was about a a little girl who lives in the marsh and uh in the 60s and her family abandons her basically when she's seven um and then she be like is kind of like this feral being that teaches herself how to survive and like she learns the marsh she learns the currents she learns all about the plants there she learns what you can eat um how to like get clams or uh mussels and how to survive and and there are there's like one or two people in the community a a black man who in the 60s they they have separate areas of town like that black people live in um segregation so for a black man to help this white girl who they call like marsh trash like that's like her that's how she's known around town like Mm. and like that's a big deal for a, a black man to help a little white girl you know but she probably might not have survived if he didn't he would pay her like to collect clams or whatever at, I'm sure, great risk to his own safety. Yeah. And so it's about adolescence and it's about figuring out things on your own, which I think we all can relate to, um, even though this is like a very severe case of that. But I think it hits on like there's a boy that becomes interested in her and teaches her how to read and is very like kind and like basically what that teacher in your book is telling to for kids to be this kid was to her and of and like she doesn't understand why he's being nice because nobody's ever nice to her and then like you know they get older they're 16 hormones start happening and she has to figure she literally has nobody he's teaching her and and she learned how to read really quickly because like what else did she have to do and then he would bring her like textbooks and she started like 
documenting the, the marsh. So she would, like, draw pictures of, like, a bird. And then she would, like, look up in the book of, like, what kind of bird it is. And, like, so she, her house, she lived in, like, a shack, like, with her parents. But then they, they abandoned her. So she was just left there with, in the shack. And she just filled it with, like, basically museum-worthy diagrams of the marsh. Like, she knew everything about the marsh. And, um, the boy goes off to college and he's like, I'm going to come visit you or whatever. And then he basically doesn't. Well, mm. she thinks he doesn't. Mm. And, um, so, so then, like, there's all this, like, self-doubt of, like, everyone, hate, like, abandons me. This is just how my life is going to be. So there's a lot of that. Literally, I was crying, like half of the book like I was like so frustrated that I couldn't read anymore because I was crying so much like I literally physically could not see the words and I wanted more of it like this book was just like so captivating and so yeah later on a boy in their town is murdered but like also could have been an accident so like it's also like the police it's from the view of the police trying to figure out what happened Mm. and it happens like kind of near where she lives and like she starts to be getting blamed for it like she's in her 20s now though i think um when that starts happening and yeah i mean i don't want to give away the ending (laughs) of like what happened and but it's really good um really nice writing interesting story if you like a murder mystery that's great it's not scary um besides the fact that this little girl is all on her own and you feel bad for her and stuff like that but yeah so it does tie into like history and like how people are treated and family dynamic stuff but she kind of has a happy ending. She gets her, um, like, photos into books, into, like, a scientific book about the, the marsh. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, that's not giving away. It shows help. how you can go from being a marsh girl uh-huh. to an marsh entrepreneur. Trash. Yeah. And, and it only takes one or two people to believe in you for that to happen honestly i feel like i've heard that other places like you just need one person to believe in you and that can change your life well guess what listeners i believe in you and i believe in you too and i believe in you and i believe in you monkey so if you guys like fiction murder mystery um coming of age uh, interesting story will make you cry. I suggest this book. It's a bestseller in Reese. Goddamn Wait. Witherspoon. She likes Puts it. her stamp of approval. Actually, she is the one making it into a she movie. Bought, she bought the rights. She did. Good for her. So. My friend. I'm glad to see that she's doing things. <laughs> so that is my little revelation is that Oh, yeah, fiction is fun and 
can be so engrossing and exciting mm. and it just feels a little different than what i've been reading plays and with I, your imagination maybe allows this you to go there was just a really good book to experience that i'm reading another fiction book too and it's good too and i'm pretty into it but it, it didn't captivate me as much as this one did there's so many elements to like what makes a fiction book good yeah and it's all based off of your your taste yeah <laughs> that's i mean that's another great takeaway is to experiment with growing up i thought i didn't like reading because i read stuff and i was like i don't like this yeah you know what i mean it's like tasting some kind of chewy candy a gummy bear and being like well i guess i don't like candy <laughs> there's so many different ones yeah that's that's a good analogy there's a lot of candy out there yeah and there's something for everyone if you like watching tv or movies guess what baby those were written first i think you just turned off half our listeners <laughs> <laughs> those were in print to get them you're like but yeah i have an hour and a half mm, i'm gonna go with the movie version yeah that's true it does take time but the thing is it's not a race reading is not intended to be a, a like a, a competition no read at your pace if you're reading it slowly that means you're taking it in you're savoring it that's beautiful. But if you read it fast. I mean, who knows what you're retaining? Yeah, I guess there is like you want to know what's happening with the murder. What, who did it? It's kind of like a whodunit. There's well, like a, whodunit. There's like that feeling. Mm. Um, so you're so I was like reading it fast too to get to mm. that. And we did circumstances happened where we were babysitting one day for a full day. Are you okay? No, you just choked on some water. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Um, I Code word for I'm not okay. So, yeah, that is my call to action. My call to action this week is maybe broaden your horizons. Pick up. Are you, why are you taking my call to action? Pick up a book. Just kidding. We can have the same one. I love you. Um, pick up a book or audiobook or I mean I'm guessing you like books if you've listened this far. Right? So pick up a book that maybe is on the Reese book club and one you might not have been drawn to. You know, it can't hurt. If you don't like it, you can stop. There's a book that I started the other day, and it is harsh. And I was like, yeah, my brain is not in the place to read something of this bad. I mean, not bad like awful writing. I mean, like bad like there's bad things happening in the book. So, yeah, try something new, baby boo. That's your call to action, too? Um, I was just thinking about, like, again, perspective and broadening perspective. But I feel like that's been my call to action every week. Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't want to just, like, 
go with the thing that I specifically gear myself towards, which is expanding perspectives, my call to action is read this read this book. <laughs> my call to, call to action is read start here start now start now start here how about like backwards and forwards teach oh i guess my call to action would be to that thing in your head that that is like we can't talk about this because it's sensitive mm. take that and and figure out a way to talk about it mm. instead instead of things being not taboo. talked about yeah scrap tab taboo topics let's let's just scrap taboo topics and instead navigate those topics inclusively and compassionately with kindness let's do let's do that so nothing is taboo Let's bring everyone into the conversation and let's let's let people speak from their perspectives. Damn it, I had to sneak perspective in at the end. <laughs> I like that. I love you all. Thank you for listening in. This has been Books, Books in, in Bed. bed. <laughs> love you guys. Good morning and good night. All you sleepyheads, enjoy our next podcast. I never know how to end these. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Books in Bed podcast. If you want to leave a comment of which books we should read... Or if you're able to, leave us a review. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it's Books in Bed Podcast, or follow our business channel, which is called The Portland Pickers.